0: Hello friends and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. U turn friends. What better topic this year than talking about financial empowerment? You know that I went into a half million dollars of debt, ruined one of my businesses, and fixed it if you've been here for a while. And if you haven't been here for a while, there's that. And that's why I'm so excited to bring Tori Dunlap onto the show. She's a money expert. She has a book that just hit New York Times as a best-selling book. Um, this week, right now, it's early January. Her book is called Financial Feminists: Overcome the Patriarch's Bullshit to Master Your Money and Build a Life You Love. And also her podcast is called The Financial Feminist. So pretty freaking straightforward. We are going to talk about money empowerment and hopefully help her nurse a micro hangover from celebrating being a New York Times <laughs> <performing> author.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is the first interview I have done since we got the news yesterday. And um, yeah, I had some champagne and it was great. And um I'm feeling it, feeling it today. You can't I realize the older you get, like the less just you just have no tolerance for it. It's just like yeah. it's it's just rough. So hey, thanks for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah. It's like, how is two glasses of wine as we get closer and closer? Literally. like a big moment for us the next morning. And yep. okay, I have to ask you, what does it feel like to be? To just, I don't know. I feel like working in personal development, you're taught number one that all of the things you think are going to make you feel like you got there don't feel like you got there. For me, I wanted to write a book since I was five, and writing my book was one of the biggest hives I ever got. Hearing from readers, um, and of course, every writer wants to hit New York Times. That's like the prim, primo moment. Um, and I never was attached to hitting it, but I always wondered, what is that? Yeah. So what does it feel like? It hasn't fully
1: sunk in yet. The interesting thing, and you'll appreciate this as somebody who is so ambitious and so like goal-oriented, I had pictured and really manifested that moment so many times. That it felt like, oh, this has already happened. Yeah. Like, I had my own doubts, especially, like, you know, my friends and my partner will tell you, like, the day before, I was like, I don't think it's going to happen. And that was me, of course, dress rehearsing tragedy and trying to, you know, prepare for something that I, you know, emotionally prepare for something that you're not ever going to be prepared for? Like we do yeah. this in life all the time, right? It's, it's like, we set ourselves up of like, okay, I'm going to be disappointed now so that if it doesn't happen, I'm not disappointed later. You're yeah. still going to be disappointed later. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you don't, you don't, uh, you know, it's the same thing with like grief or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm pre grieving and that's not how it works. Yeah. Um, so like I had already, I was trying to, you know, prepare myself in like the day or two before of like, maybe this doesn't happen. Beyond that, though, I have, you know, written in my journal, I am a New York Times bestseller Mm -hmm. for six months and I had already pictured the moment where I got the phone call. And so it was such an interesting out-of-body experience where it was like, this has already happened. Mm. Like in my head, this has already happened. This has happened multiple, numerous times. That means that it felt fucking great. Yeah. (laughs) And it was also, um, it was a very, very difficult process. Uh, which I will talk about publicly at a different time, but it was just really, really difficult to not only write the book, but a lot of drama behind the scenes. And so it just felt like um, validation that all of this hard work was worth it. Mm -hmm. And I also told myself that even if the New York Times didn't validate the hard work, it was still worth it too. Yeah. So it felt great. And um, we haven't announced it publicly yet. I think we're literally like pushing play on the Instagram post as I'm doing this interview. So it's going to be really exciting.
0: I'm so proud of you. and Thank you. I'm, I feel like as a writer and even as a friend or a businesswoman, like the second best thing, I can't tell you it's the first best, Tori, because the first best is me. But the second best thing to me getting my dreams is somebody that I just think is such a good person Thank doing you. such good, getting making it happen. And I feel like we live in a world where people will have jealousy or yeah. um, why did she get that? And it's like, we forget to trust our path. And I remember the healing for me was at first as a writer thinking like, I need to be a bestseller To I just wanted, and for you, that was your path, right? Like you manifested it. I manifested other things. Yeah. For me with the book, it was just about picturing it landing in the hands of the people it was meant to land in the hands of. And I'm sure you felt into that so much. Same thing. Yeah.
1: I mean, there was a couple, and that's been so funny. Again, I talk about it being surreal. And I imagine, again, you had this moment too where like I have pictured these things so many times yeah. that it was like, oh gosh, it is happening now. Oh, I am seeing it on a shelf. I've been picturing it on a shelf though since I was seven. Right, same. <laughs> so, so do it's, you like, identify as a writer more than anything else? Or No, no, I maybe used to, but then yeah. I, I was blogging and kind of got burned out on writing. Mm-hmm. And so actually writing the book was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Not in the act of like, Um, you know, finding a voice or anything—I knew that very early, but it was more like just getting my brain to get on board. Yeah, and I just—it was like bribing a toddler. It was like, okay, I will give you iPad time if you do this one thing for me, right? Like yeah. if, if you just write this one paragraph, I will give you timothy Chalamet YouTube compilation time. And yeah. then, you know, my brain would give me that one paragraph and then I'd be like, okay, we need to do that 80 more times. And my brain's like, no,
0: I'm out for the day. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, so <laughs> this is my question. Like, obviously I could ask you a lot about manifestation because I think that's a really fun topic. I want to ask you a way more about money, but just, is there like a micro piece of content or action steps that you can give anyone who, is listening right now and whatever they want to manifest. Yeah. If you want to feel that book on the shelf or whatever yes. that thing is for them like you did, what are your like three little things you do if you want to manifest in a minute? I so got you.
1: Um first I want to acknowledge. I am a cisgender straight white woman. So, yeah. have I worked really hard? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Um some of this manifestation is it white privilege probably. Probably. Yeah. So, first thing to acknowledge. Yeah. <laughs> uh my favorite hack For manifesting, and I talk about this in my book, is to and you even heard me say it. I write things in past tense as if they've already happened. So it's not I want to be a New York Times bestseller, or I want to be a six-figure business owner, or I want to have a loving relationship with a partner. Instead, it is I am so thankful that my business brings in six figures every year, or I. Am a New York Times bestselling author, or I love waking up next to a partner who treats me with respect and we exist in a healthy relationship. It's past tense, it's already happened. Mm. And it's also your brain, literally, your brain changes when you
0: act like it's already happened. Hey, U turn friend, are you ready to enjoy a calm moment with something really nourishing? I have something for you and it's Gold Power by Organifi. The golden powder tastes like a cozy moment in and of itself. It's cinnamony, it's comforting, and it's packed with good ingredients like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, lemon balm, and prebiotics. As soon as the afternoon slump hits, instead of letting myself have yet another cup of coffee, I try to pour this gold powder into my favorite hot nut milk. It's simply divine, it makes my sweet tooth so happy, and its superfood blends just make it easy to add more variety and nutrition into my day. If you'd like to give gold powder a try, I cannot recommend it enough. Just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn and make sure to use the code U-Turn at checkout for 20% off. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and use the code U-Turn for checkout. I've Okay, so I want to say a couple things. One, what's powerful about this is I think one of the biggest mistakes that people subconsciously engage in when they're trying to create or manifest it, or visualize if manifestation yeah. isn't your vibe word for this, um, is that they will say things to themselves or they'll write things down that make the thing feel further away from them sure. and focus on the distance. So I love that you put it in the past. It's already had, it's already done. I think you have to want something enough too, not from a place of attachment, but from a place of like inspiration. Like yeah. I remember when I was creating my first online course, I failed, I failed, I failed eventually it started selling eventually it became a multimillion dollar company in the course of 2 months and that was after a year and a half of debt and struggle but i remember during the debt and struggle era that i would go jogging every day and same thing by the way i am a white woman so i totally understand what you're saying like um you know i know that the gender gap and all these other things are against us you know but we also as women have so much privilege and Great. I think it's so cool that you mention and point that out, because I do think that there's such a miss in today's world um, with content creators on this. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like every day I'd go running and I'd have no money in my bank account. And I felt, I felt it. I just let myself feel how good it would feel for this thing. Yeah. To do it. And, I, and it, I knew it was done and what the day came. And so it's this surreal moment. I haven't been able to manifest at that level in this way. Um, but I know it's in me and I'm not sure. Yeah, And I,
1: I, I think getting really clear, again, we talk about this in the book of like specifically with money, like what would it feel like to not be in debt anymore? Yeah. What would it feel like to take a trip to Tokyo? What, like, where are you staying in the hotel? What, what seat are you in in the plane? And we talk about this with Ramit Sethi, who's a fellow personal finance expert. And he is featured in the book. He calls it your rich life. But it's basically, you have to get very specific about what you do want. Cause he says very thoughtfully, he's like, people can tell me what they don't want, but they weirdly actually can't tell me what they do want. They can tell me, oh, I don't wanna commute into work every day. Or like, I don't wanna drive this kind of car. And then he's like, what do you want? And people are like, "Mm, I don't know. So figure out what you want and then picture it in like specific detail. So for me, it was like, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to work for myself. I don't want to make somebody I don't respect rich anymore. And I got really specific about what that looked like. What number did I need in my bank account in order to make that happen? What was it like to wake up at 8.30 in the morning if I wanted to? What would it it be like to go to the grocery store in the middle of the day because I don't have to wait until I get off of work? What would it look like to, you know, and it was very specific. It was like, where am I waking up? What does it feel like? What am I doing at eight o'clock? What am I doing at 10 o'clock? What is the feeling I have? Right. How is my life different? And I've realized that I was manifesting, actually I've never talked about this, but I've been manifesting since I was a kid. Yeah. I would literally sit in the shower and interview myself. Mm. And so like I I had I, I have known that there are certain things that I am capable of. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that happens a lot is that um, terrible, horrible thing that happens is that we as women are told to play small. And that is ingrained in us very early. And if you believe that, which unfortunately we all have at some point, that is a confirmation that the patriarchy is one mm-hmm. or the sci- society the system that exists, right? Mm-hmm. And I am so thankful that I am one of the women that actually get to pursue and live out a dream I had for myself, which was writing a book at age 7, you know. Yeah. When so many women have been told, play small. Yeah. Don't take up space. Don't want for anything cuz that's selfish.
0: And if you do, you're a burden.
1: That's- right. Yep. You're a burden or you're yeah, you are selfish, you are not a giver. And it's like, what would happen if women just had a tiny ounce of the pursuit of doing things that they want?
0: And there's these, there's so many different social things that we are attached to. I think a lot of women, it's like, if yes, a woman in your thirties or forties. It's like, you're not whole. You don't have a partner. If oh a partner, yeah. You don't have kids. Like what we celebrate. I had a, I had a two
1: hour conversation with two of my good friends yesterday about like, what we celebrate as a, in a society for women. Yeah. What is it? It is you get engaged, you get married, you have babies. Those <laughs> are your three things you are celebrated for in society. You're yeah. not celebrated for getting sober. You're not celebrated for your divorce. You're not celebrated for getting a PhD or starting a business or being a New York Times bestseller, right? Like I joke often that I could go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media. And if I posted a pregnancy announcement, it would get... Five times more engagement and more celebration than this New York Times announcement will get today.
0: Yeah, 100%. And that's
1: even, I, I think I would get more love for my professional accomplishments because I've had this conversation with my audience and with our community so much. of like, celebrate things that society doesn't deem as important. Yeah. But also, again, we have been told as women, play small, stop taking up space. And we have this deeply rooted and ingrained in us And not to segue, but like, this is what we talk about so much in the book. Well, that's what yeah, perfect segue. Yeah, when you are told to play small, when you are told don't talk about money because that's taboo, when you are told the pursuit of wealth is bad, yet the pursuit of wealth for men is socially acceptable and encouraged, when we are told to play small, we of course do not live up to our full potential, but we also are literally perpetuating the system. And confirming a system of inequality. And if we start to play bigger, we start to change the system that exists. And we also demand better of our communities and the systems that exist around us.
0: Hey, U Turners! This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Cured Nutrition. We all know that a complete night of sleep is essential to optimize our wellness and our general well being. Cured's Sleep Bundle, which combines their best selling Zen and most potent CBN, is the answer to guaranteeing that you get that full night of sleep every single night. Zen is a blend of functional mushrooms, adaptogens, and full spectrum cannabinoids. Some people just can't fall asleep. Other people can't stay asleep. And then there's those that fall asleep and stay asleep, but still struggle to spend enough time in each sleep stage. No matter what's keeping you from your truest rest and restoration, this sleep bundle is such a solution. Think of it as a one-two punch for a body and brain reset. When it starts to kick in, I notice every inch of my body soften into a deeper state of relaxation as if I'm laying beneath the comfort of a weighted blanket. Right now, Cured is extending an exclusive offer to the U-Turn community. You can grab Zen and CBN in the Sleep Bundle for an extra 20% off Cured's already discounted price by heading over to www.curednutrition.com slash U-Turn and using the coupon code U-Turn at checkout. That's www.curednutrition.com, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com slash T-U-R-N and the coupon code U-TURN at checkout to save an additional 20% off. To improve your life, you need to improve your sleep. Now let's get back to this week's episode. It's interesting that you're talking about this because I feel like um, I never really thought about the fact that engagement Facebook posts or Instagram posts do get more than like, I'm a bestseller. Oh yeah. um, And so I think that that's just so fun that you're being honest about it because putting a spotlight on something, I don't know if fun's the right word, but like (laughs) important, um, for, for women to start celebrating. So I leave it to everyone. Well, And just celebrating personally. Right. And like, I, um,
1: I have all of these professional accomplishments that I feel so proud of. I am way more proud of the shit no one's seeing or just my friends and family are seeing, Mm -hmm. which is like, Wow. Recovering from a really, really difficult time at the end of 2020 that took two and a half years of coaching and therapy and crying on the bathroom floor that no one publicly saw. Yeah. Like I am so proud of that. Yeah. I don't want my tombstone to read New York Times bestselling author as proud of that as I am. I would rather be known as, you know, she was a great leader. She was a good friend. She made me laugh. Yeah. She contributed well to this, you know, to this world and to our, to our lives.
0: You know, I I almost want to ask anyone who's listening, like, if you could make your life into a headline right now on a newspaper, what would it read? Um, Just to get a status update on where you think you're, and if you want your life to read a different headline, what would you want it to read? What would you want it to say? What feels present and alive for you now? Um, and I love everything you're sharing just about feeling what you're really saying is feel good about who you are, you know, um, feeling because, you know, I say this all the time on the podcast. It's like when you go to bed at night, if you don't like yourself, it's brutal. You have to like yourself or there's this ache inside of your heart all the time where you don't think so well of yourself and the choices you make when you don't feel good about yourself, when you don't think you're a good person. Or the way you relate to yourself, you allow lesser into your life than what you really can be worthy of if you start to really like yourself. And so there's so many moments, I think, in the privacy of our own hearts where we need to make the right decision. And right is subjective, right? Right for you. Whatever decision it is in your life that makes you feel a sense of peace with yourself, because no matter what you accumulate, no matter what you have, if you don't have peace, it's miserable. And I've seen it over and over and over again in my practice, especially coaching different celebrities who are amazing people and have a lot of pain. You know, they have a lot of pain because maybe in the privacy of their own hearts, they feel like they didn't show up right for something, or they feel like, and this is, you know, obviously case by case basis. Some of them feel like they've worked so hard on getting that big house, getting all these movie deals that they kind of let their relationship slide to the wayside. Now they're all alone in this big house and they're sobbing on the Zoom with me. So, my point being like, just really taking a look in the mirror and saying, where do I feel like I'm out of integrity is so powerful. Um, and, and where do I feel like I can really step up? And so I love what you're sharing about manifesting. And when it comes to your book, I want to get into the goods. Tell Okay. I feel like we have so much mindset stuff on this show and we can't escape it, but I also, and it's so important, but I also want to ask you about the tactical and the practical. I feel like there's got to be so many people listening right now that are like, oh, I'm in freaking debt. Whether it's the same 10 K involving on your credit card from You know, maybe it's the pink tax, you know, what kind of practical or tactical tips can you give the person listening right now that they're starting at ground zero or maybe negative 10 K and they want this to be the year, um, that things change for them. What would you say?
1: We have an entire book about this, right? We have a whole chapter about paying off debt. We have a whole chapter about how to invest. We have a whole chapter about how to mindfully spend. So I'll give you a couple quick hits. Number one, you need to offer yourself grace. And that doesn't sound like an actionable tip, but it is because here's the thing. We spend the entire first chapter of the book talking about the emotions of money. It is the longest chapter. It is the most uh, like research chapter. And it was intentionally that because you cannot learn how to create a budget or how to pay off debt until you start to understand your emotional hangups about money and the sort of narratives that you've been perpetuated to believe. I even ran through a couple before, right? That talking about money is taboo, or the pursuit of wealth is wrong, or that if you just work hard, everything will work out for you. And of course, all of those are lies and myths that are perpetuated to keep you underpaid and overworked. So you need to first understand that no one taught you this. No one taught you this. Unless you had parents, like I was lucky enough to have, who sat down and had a conversation with you about money and who taught you how to not overspend on a credit card and taught you how to navigate the financial system, you were never taught this. And just like if you asked me to strap on a pair of roller skates and go around the block, I'm going to fall on my butt because I don't know how to roller skate very well. And it's something that I'm doing for the first time. So no, it's not going to be comfortable for a while. Because just like doing anything else new, it's, you're going to be bad at it. And you also have all of these hangups that you maybe don't. The first time you strap on roller skates, you haven't seen a bunch of other people roller skate. The thing about money is that we all have to interact with it constantly. And we are watching people's interactions with it constantly. Your first money memory, um, We talk about this in the book of like the first time you remember thinking about money can be super illuminating. So, the first thing is to give yourself grace, and that transitions into what is that first time? What is the first time you remember thinking about money? How does that relate to you, the way you manage money now? Again, we spent an entire chapter talking about this, but it's uh, really eye opening and enlightening to realize oh, wow, all of these things have been cemented for a very long time. And they probably are reflecting or in reflection, they are probably influencing the way that you manage money. Mm. So one, offer yourself grace. Two, what is that first money memory and how is that interacting or changing or impacting your relationship with money now? And then three, if you can, automate everything. Automate your bills, automate your credit card payment, and yes, you can automate your savings. So even if it's just $20 a month, you can set up an automatic transfer from your checking account to your savings account. So you're not waiting to the end of the month to start saving when you don't have anything left anymore.
0: Okay. So this is where I have so many questions with the automation. I feel yes. like there's a lot of entrepreneurs where their income is not predictable and they feel like I can't freaking automate a savings. And, and a lot of times they're operating in the red, right? They're like every month um, my business costs this and or even in corporate, like, okay, you know, I don't make enough money, but I'm living in an expensive city and I'm in the red. Um, what would be, and I hope everyone gets your book, financial feminist book. I mean, not only going through this deep mindset work and these, this memory healing work, but the self-reflection. I think a lot of people, A, they, you know, are operating in the red. I've been there. Yeah. I've done that. I get that. So I'm curious, what, what would be your message to them? And you know, B, I think a lot of people say that they can't remember their upbringing. like I get that a lot. people are like I don't mm. remember anything. um cu- curious if you ever get that and what you would have to say to that to be honest, I don't know if I ever have.
1: um everybody I've worked with one-on one or that I have done workshops or coaching with have been able to identify at least one money memory um. Like mine was, I think I was, yeah, four or five years old and I wanted to see Annie the Musical and I saved up my money in an Altoids tin. Like that's the first time I remember thinking about money because my mom had told me, if you want something, you need to save for it. Um, For most people, their first money memory is not that, right? It's, I saw my parents argue about money. I went to school lunch and realized I didn't have any money for lunch that day. Or I, um, the first time I remember thinking about money was realizing we didn't have enough of it, right? Um, In terms of if you... This is where this is where things get sticky. So um, this is not me uh, bypassing the question. This is me actually giving you a very honest answer. If you are truly living paycheck to paycheck, and I'm not talking like you still have a Netflix account, paycheck to paycheck. I'm talking like truly not doing well. There is very little that I or any financial expert can tell you. And that is the second part, and I would argue the biggest part of financial feminism, is this is not all personal choices. This is about 20% personal choices. It's about 80% circumstances, right? What sort of systems are being upheld that either support you or most likely disenfranchise you? Mm -hmm. You don't need to learn how to budget because, frankly, you don't have anything to budget. You need social services. You need government support you need paid family leave and higher minimum wages and uh, unions and things that actually support you. The thing about personal finance is that it's 80% circumstances, 20% personal choices. And if you are truly living paycheck to paycheck, there is very little that me as a finance expert that can say, or any finance expert can say, because you need government support. You need higher minimum wage and unions and social services and food stamps and uh paid family leave and so like it's an it sounds like a non answer but truly like I, I i hate when people promise things that just aren't feasible right that being said i wrote this book for a reason and it's because this advice and this guidance has changed 3 million women's lives so there's something in here that i think will benefit you even if it's just oh i was believing this sort of narrative about money yeah. Or wow. I do need to give myself grace because I have been believing this and this is entirely my fault and right. it's not so. Um, but we also don't sugarcoat it like it would be really disingenuous and frankly false of me to be like, yeah, everybody can do this. And the truth is, no, like, no, it it has to
0: come from um, sources outside of you. And another, you know, thing that I find in today's world, especially with the rise of so much personal development, so many coaches out there to support so many therapists is that there's a lot of self-awareness out there, um, but there's not a lot of action taking. So I feel like there's a lot of people listening. I used to be one of them where it's like, I'm an, I was an overspender and no matter how much money I made, it was never going to be enough because I wasn't responsible um, I think that sometimes self-awareness without action is such a toxic relationship we can have with ourselves. It's like, we just talk about all the things we know, but we're not doing anything about them. And the doing is the growth, right? Like the impulse to buy the thing and not buying the thing or whatever that thing is for you. So I'm curious, like, what would be your message for somebody? Like, cause I know that there's not just people who are on minimum wage and they're like, I don't have any money left to manage. But there's people who are making more than enough money and they just can't see yeah to stop with the impulse control. And I get it. It's so hard. And like you said, we're not taught it. So what are some money hacks for those people? And then I also want to ask you about people just trying to get ahead in general. Yeah. So we have an
1: entire chapter about spending in the book because this is all too
0: common. Yeah,
1: um, And we've also been actively shamed for spending money as women in a way that men aren't. We are told that we are frivolous spenders if we spend money on anything vaguely feminine, which includes, but is not limited to, lattes our manicures or purses. Yet NFL season tickets and golf clubs are not considered frivolous. <laughs> so this is another narrative that, again, has been perpetuated. In terms of practical advice around spending, you need to start understanding where your money's going. Yeah. You don't have to stop spending money, but I do need you to stop spending money on shit you don't care about. Mm-hmm. We are not doing lukewarm in 2023. We are not doing lukewarm in any aspect of our lives. We are doing pipe and hot. And if your money that you worked very hard on is not giving you the most joy, the most pipe and hot joy, then you need to not spend money on that thing. Mm -hmm. The answer again is like, don't, you know, so many personal finance experts say like, stop spending money. That's not it. That's not sustainable. It's not feasible. And frankly, that's not fun or realistic. It's just I need you to spend your hard-earned money on things you actually like, as opposed to things that you are buying out of immediate convenience or temporary relief. Um, We do a lot of like, it's just like a vice. It's like anything else. Like you might turn to alcohol or weed or uh, sex, right? You might feel the same thing about money of like, oh, I had a bad day at work. So I'm going to buy this thing that I don't really need or want. And that's not getting the root of the problem, which is maybe you don't like your job, right? maybe you don't like, uh, the way you're living right now. Right. And you're using these certain things to cope with it. So becoming aware is super important and understanding that, again, you don't have to stop spending money. You just need to start spending money on the things you actually like. So we walk you through in the book, what's called, um, like a money diary, right. But it's like tracking where your money's going and if it's bringing you joy or not. So where are your purchases going? why did you spend that money and how did it make you feel as opposed to just like, Oh, I checked my bank account and there's nothing left. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What what the hell happened? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, it all comes down to giving yourself grace, understanding that you weren't taught this understanding that, um, when it comes to spending the things that have been deemed frivolous are not frivolous. If you actually do like them and you need to figure out what things you actually like spending your money on by figuring out where your money's currently going.
0: There's so much power and simplicity. Like your advice is simple and powerful. It's like, stop buying things that don't give you joy. And if you get honest with yourself, there's so many things that once the transaction is done and the high is over, you don't feel that same sense of fulfillment or joy from that thing. Um, And I also love your advice of just paying attention to where your money's going. That was huge for me when I wanted to change this habit was starting to do my own bookkeeping, looking at my numbers, starting to make a spreadsheet of my monthly expenses and my monthly debits, like what's going out, what's coming in. I think part of what keeps you disempowered is just refusing to know. So, okay, that's a lot of mindset stuff, which is really powerful. And then also I want to ask you just quick financial wins. So I know for me, I'm a real estate investor. Um, It's taken a lot for me to finally get to this place Um, and I'm, I'm continuing to grow. I've invested in a couple of homes with my brother. I'm about to invest in my own with myself, um, by myself. And so I'm curious, like, what are some starters that you're like, okay, once you start paying attention to your money, let's say somebody saves 20 or 30 K this year. And they're like, or even 10 K and they're like, that's a lot of money, right? 10, 20, 30, 5 K, whatever it is, where do you feel is like a great spot for them to start researching.
1: So you need three to six months of living expenses in a high yield savings account for an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have saved money, And it is still sitting in like a Bank of America or Wells Fargo account. It is earning you nothing in interest when it could be earning you over 3%. Mm -hmm. We have uh, linked on our website. You can also just go to herfirst100k.com slash H-Y-S-A. We have our recommendation there. But that's like an easy, easy switch. One, automate your money. Right, We were talking about this before. Automate your savings. And two... Make sure that you are automatically saving money into a high yield savings account. Mm -hmm. It took me less than five minutes to sign up. It's like the easiest thing. It's just like an everyday savings account, except you're getting a higher interest rate. Like, why wouldn't you do it? Mm -hmm. So those are two really quick wins. Um, Three is that if you are making a substantial amount of money or you are saving a bunch of money, the thing I'm seeing with women is that they're keeping all of that money in a checking account or in a savings account. Beyond that three to six months of living expenses, if you have a, like, a shorter term goal, like you want to buy a house in two years, that needs to be in a separate high yield savings account. Or, oh, I'm getting married in, in six months and I'm saving up for a honeymoon. Okay, that needs to be in a short term savings account. Everything else needs to be invested. Women do not invest at the same rate men do. They either wait longer to invest or don't invest at all because we've been told it's risky. And we have an entire chapter of investing in the book about all of the narratives you've been believing about investing. But the truth is that is your best form of wealth building for the average person. And if you are keeping all of your money in a checking account, first of all, get it out of the checking account. But if you are keeping, let's say, 50, 100, 100, $200,000 $200,000 in a savings account and it does not have a purpose, you don't know why exactly it's there, then it probably needs to be invested for retirement. So, please don't be the person who is like, "Yeah, I saved a bunch of money because I was told that that's what I was supposed to do, but none of these dollars have a job and also investing seems scary, so I'm just not going to do it." There are sustainable, ethical ways to invest that um, have guaranteed, I shouldn't say guaranteed, but almost guaranteed returns. And um, that is your best form of wealth building for the average person. So don't be caught up in like, I can just save money and that's enough because you have to start investing your money.
0: Okay. And I'm glad I know that people are probably writing down these terms so that when they go to the bank and they open up these accounts, they'll take note of the short term versus the longer term with the high interest that pays you back a bit um, and gives you extra um, what are some of your favorite ways to invest beyond um, you know, investing in the market? Um, I, I love investing in real estate. I'm about to have my first Airbnb, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Um you tell me, like, is there something that you found particularly fun? Because I know sometimes when people think about investing, they just think like numbers in, numbers out, spreadsheets, accounts. Is there something like, to me, real estate has been really fun, like being able to buy a house, something I can walk mm. into and renovate and get really excited about. I know there's a lot of privilege in me sharing that. And so I want and I've been saving for it forever. So you tell me if there's another thing or, or anything that you could put on people's radar here.
1: Yeah, I'm going to answer this question slightly differently because um, I, I don't have real estate. I actually don't own property at all. Mm-hmm. And. I think one of the things that (laughs) one of the misconceptions about investing is that it's like, yeah, it is numbers in numbers out. You have to be good with math. And one of the practices we do in the book is I have you imagine grandma you Mm-hmm. much like we did of like imagining what our lives would look like if we actually did what we wanted. But like, what, what is grandma you look like? I joke that my version of Nana Tori is she is drinking Savion Blanc with lunch with her much younger Pilates instructor named Luca. And she has a Tuscan villa where she rescues dogs. And like, I'm very clear about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And you have to contextualize why you're doing what you're doing. So the actual act of, you know, putting money in an index fund is probably not fun, but realizing that 28 year old me is taking care of 65 and 70 and 80 year old me is very, very, very exciting. And again, it gives you the why. And really, I mean, I mean to do this, but to sum up this entire conversation, you have to figure out why you're doing things and you have to give your brain a reason to care because, just saying I want to be good with money is not, it's so gray. It's not a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's I want to save X amount of dollars this year so that I can go to Japan. I want to make sure that Grandma me is taken care of. So I'm going to put $100 away every month for my retirement or whatever that looks like. Um, so I would argue that, of course, the act of investing, you might not find fun. But the reason you're doing it is is the fun thing. And again, it gives your brain a reason to care. And it also gets you on board when things are hard, when you're like, I don't want to keep saving this money. I don't want to keep investing. I don't want to keep paying down my debt. I've been doing this for two years and I feel exhausted. Yeah. The why helps focus you and give you a reason to keep going. It's the motivation and the contextualization in order to keep going.
0: I'm so excited for you and your book. I'm so excited for everybody to listen. Is there anything I haven't asked you about money you want to share as we go out? And if not, where can we find you and your book and all the things? You've been told
1: that you're not good with money and you've been told that money is scary. And the truth is, is money is just a tool. Money is a tool that we can use to build the life that we want um, and the world that we want. So um, if 2023 is the year you're like, okay, I'm going to finally get my financial shit together. I'm here to help. There's a bunch of people out there here to help. So, herfirst100k.com is where you can find me. H E R F I R S T 100k.com. And my book and podcast are called Financial Feminist. Thanks. And Ashley was on an episode of Financial Feminist. I don't know if it'll be out by the time we're doing this, but I know. Thank you. I'm so
0: excited. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me.